Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning, the final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It is the Kansas City Royals 3, the Cleveland Indians nothing. The Cleveland Indians spoil the home opener and get shut out by the Kansas City Royals. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And for as far as home openers go, that was pretty rough. That was a pretty boring, miserable, hard-to-sit-through home opener. And uh, the Indians only muster three hits on the day uh, and really, really make the Kansas City Royals pitching look good. So let's get into it. Let's get into the storylines that emerged from yesterday. Let's get into some of the news that's going on around Major League Baseball because uh, there's not going to be much to talk about in this actual game. Now, the first storyline uh, from the Indians is they did something that I guess is being called piggybacking with their starting pitchers, uh, where Logan Allen started the game, went five innings, and then Tristan McKenzie came in uh, in the sixth and was prepared to go four innings to finish the game. Uh, Karinczak actually came in to get the last out, which was a strikeout on three pitches. But the, that was the plan, to take two starters and uh, split the game in half. And part of the reason it happened is because the Indians have a ridiculous amount of off days to start this season, right? They're off today. Then they have a game on Wednesday. They have a 1 o'clock game. And then they're off again on Thursday. So either Major League Baseball really felt that the weather was going to be so terrible in Cleveland that uh, that they scheduled these off days like this, or it's just some weird fluke in the schedule where they were scheduling games and got to April and went, oh my God, we gave the Indians three off days in the first week. So Tristan McKenzie had to pitch. He had to get in there and pitch somehow. I get that. But I don't understand the strategy here of piggybacking when Logan Allen was pitching really well as your starting pitcher. He was only at 72 pitches through five innings, which I thought would have been impossible. He was up over 20 pitches in the first inning. He had loaded the bases in the first inning. He would really struggled through the first two innings of this game. So I don't see what the strategy is of piggybacking starters like this. If you have a guy like Adam Plutko, maybe, where you're worried about the second time through the lineup or the third time through the lineup, then I see the advantage of piggybacking starters. Because you could have a guy come in, pitch, in theory, three innings, go through the order once, get him out of there, bring another starter in with a completely different set of pitches. He goes three innings. He gets through the order once, and then you're six innings into the game, and you're into your bullpen to finish the game. If you are so scared of your pitchers going through the lineup a second time, going through the lineup a third time, then maybe I see this as a strategy. So you're you're not even a starter at that point. You're a long opener. But in this situation here, if you go back and look at the first few innings of the game, yeah, uh, Logan Allen was struggling a little bit. That first time through the order, he was struggling, right? Gives up a single to start the game to Whit Merrifield. No shame in that. Whit Merrifield kills the Indians. Uh, gets two ground outs then, but then gives up walks to Salvador Perez and Jorge Soler. 
strikes out Michael Taylor to end the inning. So he walks the bases loaded. And I think he was up to like 24 pitches at that point. Second inning, starts with two outs, then gives up the single to Nicky Lopez and a home run to Whit Merrifield. And I mean right down the middle, uh, fastball for a home run. 104.7 exit velocity, 390 feet. Somehow, Baseball Savant is telling me that that hit only had an expected batting average of 7 710. Uh, pretty sure that was a no doubt about it home run. Um, I don't know what. Maybe if you're playing in uh, Fenway in the Green Monster, that would be a double. That'd be the only situation where that ball wouldn't be a home run, it felt like. Uh, then Benatendi singles and keeps it going. He gets Santana in a force out, uh, forces out Benatendi at second to get out of the inning. So, yes, those first two innings did look pretty rough for Logan Allen. I, I could see maybe you take him out at that point. But they leave him in to keep pitching, and he really settles down. He gets uh, the next nine batters retired in a row. And it was looking pretty good. It was looking, he was getting lots of ground outs. He was, uh, he was striking out some guys there. So it was looking pretty good for Logan Allen. And uh, it helped. Uh, actually, I take that back. He didn't retire the next nine. Uh, Alberto did single to lead off the fourth, but got gunned out at second base by Roberto Perez. You do not run on Roberto Perez. So, yeah, so he was he was in the zone, though. He was pitching really effectively, and they bring in Tristan McKenzie to pitch the sixth. So if Francona's excuse was McKenzie needed work, fine. But I still don't understand the strategy, the baseball strategy that went into that decision. If your goal is to win every game, I mean, McKenzie could have thrown a thrown an inning or two and then gone out to the bullpen and continued to throw pitches just like you do in spring training. I mean, there's ways to keep his arm in shape. He didn't have to open the roster with the team. He could have started at the alternate site and continued to get his pitch count up against, yes, Indians hitters, but he could have continued to get his pitch count up and someone like Kyle Nelson or Anthony Ghosh could have been in the bullpen for the first week, and then you make that move. Especially with someone like Nelson, another lefty who's got options, it would have been an easy move. It keeps McKenzie fresh, it keeps his arm strength up, and it gives you another weapon in the bullpen for the first week of the season, the first two weeks of the season, until you need McKenzie to start. Because I'm guessing in five or six, well, with the off days, uh, the next five or six baseball games played, McKenzie will be one of your starting pitchers. It doesn't look like it's going to be Cal Quintrill. He looks like he is going to be a bullpen guy right now. So, yeah, so that's the first storyline. I, I still, if someone can explain the strategy to me, I'm not seeing it. I'm not feeling it, especially with Logan Allen looking like he could be pretty good. I'm not saying he might be a Shane Bieber, Corey Kluber, ace-level pitcher, but he definitely looks like he could be a Carlos Carrasco level, uh, um, a Jake Westbrook, uh, you know, a guy like that, a really reliable starter uh, in the second, third spot in your rotation, uh, and maybe touching that number one spot if all that potential comes comes to fruition. So there we go. That's the first storyline. Uh, the next storyline is about the Kansas City pitching because we made Duffy look really good. 
Duffy's final line on the day is six innings pitched, only two hits, no runs, three walks, five strikeouts on 97 pitches. We did hit him hard, which we'll get to in a second. We did hit him hard, but we made Danny Duffy look really good yesterday. And Danny Duffy has been pitching for a long, long time in Kansas City. Uh, he came up, he made his, when did he make his debut? He made his debut in 2011 for the Kansas City Royals, starting 20 games that season. He's been around for 10 years with the Kansas City Royals. And in that time, against the Cleveland Indians, he has the most losses in his entire career against the Cleveland Indians. Going into the game, because baseball reference is always slow about updating their stuff the next day, he was 4-12 against the Cleveland Indians. 12 losses. The next were 10 against Detroit. Not a shock that uh, the most losses in his career were against Central Division opponents. Um, He's 0-6 against the Red Sox. He has the worst ERA in his career against the Red Sox at 726. Do not let that guy face the Red Sox. Uh, but Cleveland, he has the fourth worst ERA of his entire career at 5.11. Uh, whip, you want to get into some more advanced stats. Walks, hits per inning, pitch. It's the fifth worst is against the Cleveland Indians at 1.541 walks or hits per inning pitched. So, yeah, so we really, and this is a large sample size here, 98 innings. So there's plenty of data here. The Indians traditionally knocked the snot out of Danny Duffy. And we just, we made him look like an ace yesterday. He was locked in. He had Kluber-like focus yesterday. Uh, I know the big thing now with the college, if you if you follow Pitching Ninja on Twitter and stuff like that, uh, the big thing with the college pitchers is like the attitude now, the anger, the, the get angry at the game kind of thing for the college pitchers. And that's what it felt like from Danny Duffy yesterday. They had some shots of him walking back to the bullpen where it it was an intense focus from him yesterday. So, man, it just, it's a guy we should be able to get to. Everybody we've faced so far. I mean, we made Matthew Boyd look like an ace on opening day. Uh, we made Julio Tehran look like a crafty veteran. We made Scooble look great. Scooble might be uh, great. Who knows? I know he's a young guy for the Tigers. So, yeah, that was definitely a storyline coming out of yesterday's game. And then finally, the Indians just did not put themselves in position to succeed at all. So many, uh, yes, Luplo did walk to lead off the game. And how about that? How about that, Luplo haters? He had two walks as your leadoff hitter uh, in yesterday's game. I, I think he had been on base four times in a row between the home run and three walks as the leadoff hitter. So, look, I am... Absolutely not jumping on any Luplo bandwagon, but I do think it's funny now. I think it's funny that we all are crushing this decision, and then he goes and does something like walks twice as your leadoff hitter, which is his job. to just, As leadoff hitter, just get on base. You just get on base for Hernandez and Ramirez and Rosario, and he actually did it yesterday. But uh, he does walk to lead off the game, but a line out and then a ground into a double play. And then... Things kept happening with two outs. In the second, Ahmed Rosario finally singles our first hit of the game with two outs. Naylor strikes out behind him. Uh, Luplo then walks again with two outs. Cesar Hernandez strikes out, ends the threat. 
Uh, Fermil Reyes doubles in the fourth. A big uh, crush into left field. He doubles off the wall. He had to hustle into second base because the ball ricocheted to Benintendi, and he got the ball on quick. But the big man hustles in with a double with two outs. Ahmed Rosario walks behind him. We get a little rally going. Naylor lines out to end the threat. Can't blame Naylor there. He hit it 100.5 exit velocity. It had an expected batting average of 780. So Naylor put a good swing on it with runners in scoring position. Didn't work out for him. Uh, the Indians get shut down for a while there. Man, then things get really bad for the Indians. They don't get another runner on base until the ninth inning when they actually start the inning with a walk and a single. Unfortunately, Eddie Rosario grounds into a double play. He hits a ground ball to uh, Carlos Santana's left, and we've seen Carlos Santana do that so many times in a Cleveland uniform. He goes to the line, he gets it, and he turns a double play, and that ends the threat. So, yeah, so so many of the early chances came with two outs, and that's incredibly hard to do. That's incredibly hard to expect a two-out rally uh, to get your offense going. I mean, you need some of that magic to start an inning. Uh, I don't know if it's bad luck. I don't know if it's uh, what the approach is to start an inning, if guys are swinging for the fences already. But, yeah, you you gotta you got to get things going early in an inning if you really want a chance to put up a lot of runs. If you want a big inning, it's got to start early. So, yeah, so these little two-out, these attempts at two-out rallies just did not pan out for the Indians yesterday. And they did hit the ball hard. I mean, they did have uh, the top four of the top five exit velocities were all from Indians hitters. Uh, in fact, let's look at all the exit velocities. Yeah, so four of the top five were all from Indians hitters. Jose Ramirez had three of them. Fermil Reyes uh, in the top ten, Fermil Reyes had three of them. In fact, looking back at the box score, they credit Fermil Reyes with four hard-hit balls. You know, that's based on exit velocity and things like that. Um, what they consider on baseball savant a hard-hit ball, he had four of them in four at-bats yesterday. Only one goes for a hit, the double, but he was locked in and swinging a good bat. So was Jose Ramirez. He had what they considered three hard-hit balls yesterday. Three of the hardest-hit balls in the game, and only one goes for a hit. His single in the ninth inning, I believe. Looking at uh, the team stats over on MLB.com, there's a stat we talk about in here called BAPDIP. It's probably the most fun to say of all the advanced stats. It stands for batting average balls in play. So this is a measure of when you are making contact, when you are putting the ball between the lines, what's happening out there? Are you getting hits? Are you hitting into the shift? Are you getting unlucky sometimes? So the Los Angeles Dodgers, no surprise, are leading Major League Baseball after the first almost week with a 4-10 bat bit. Now, of course, very small sample size. These things will all even out as the season goes on. But all the way down, 27th on the list. Oh, that's right, because the Nationals haven't played yet. Um, all the way down at the bottom at the Cleveland Indians, number 27th with a 208. Bat-bip. Uh, the Atlanta Braves are next at 175, and the Chicago Cubs are the worst at 155. Although the Chicago Cubs are three and one, are three and one to start the season. Is that right? Yes, three and one. They beat the Brewers five three yesterday. 
So despite not hitting, somehow the Cubs are 3-1. and one. So what does that say? And the Indians have a 208 bat bit. That means that, yeah, they're probably getting a little bit unlucky. They're probably uh, hitting line drives right at some people. I mean, they're hitting the ball hard. There's no doubt that the Indians hitters have been hitting the ball hard. They're just getting a little bit unlucky to start the season. There were a couple. There were a couple of lineouts to Jorge Soler yesterday in right field that I remember were really good hits off the bat. Uh, There were a couple guys that really shot the ball out to right field, uh, and it just didn't work out. It just didn't go in their favor. So... So, yeah, so things like Eddie Rosario shot in the ninth inning down the line, right? That's a perfect example of bat bip right there. Uh, it had an expected batting average of 470, so not as high as some of the other outs that Indians hitters made. But that, you know, with a lesser first baseman in a different scenario and a different alignment, there's a pretty good chance that that's a hit. And so that's how things like bat bip can reflect what the Indians hitters are doing. Yes, uh, we're struggling. Yes, we our offense is scuffling at the plate right now. Only three hits on your opening day is pretty brutal. But your home opener. But maybe there is a little bit of bad luck playing into the start of the season. So I don't know if there's anything you do to correct that. They just got to keep having good at bats. They got to keep working the count and uh, taking advantage when they get good pitches. And uh I watched they. It seemed like they were pitching. I'm, I watched a couple of Fermil Reyes at bats really closely, and it seemed like for whatever reason they were throwing a lot of fastballs at Fermil Reyes. Now Duffy threw a lot of fastballs anyways yesterday. He threw 47 of his 97 pitches were four seam fastballs, and a lot were up. Looking at the Illustrator over at uh, Baseball Savant. A lot of things are at the. T- a lot of fastballs are at the top of the zone. We're talking letters and above. Uh, from Danny Duffy yesterday, and that's how he was attacking Fermil Reyes, which I was surprised because we've seen Fermil Reyes whiff really hard on low breaking balls, down and away changeups, and I thought that might be where they would have pitched him, but Duffy attacked him with fastballs high, and uh, Fermil did make him pay. Like I said, he four hard hit balls yesterday for Fermil Reyes. Uh, he didn't strike out yesterday, so he was putting the ball in play and hard, uh, just didn't have the luck aside from that double off the wall. All right, so, I mean, that's basically what I'm getting from the Indians yesterday. I know you're frustrated out there. I know it's really hard to start the season like this. You want to come out. You want to start against Kansas City and Detroit and flip this record, right? I mean, after this, the uh, the season doesn't get much easier. Uh, this was supposed to be a way for the Indians to start the season against Detroit, Kansas City, and then they have Detroit coming to Cleveland next. And it was a chance to get off to a good start. Because after this, they go on the road against the White Sox and the Reds. Then they got the White Sox, Yankees, and Twins at home. White Sox again. Like, it it does not get very easy after this. They are going to face some really good baseball teams for the rest of the month of April. So this was a chance. This was three series at the top of the season to get off to a good start. And it's not happening. Maybe this is going to be one of those teams where they play up to their competition and play down to their competition, although the Royals look pretty good to start the season. 
Uh, Detroit did get absolutely destroyed by the Twins yesterday, despite a ninth-inning grand slam from Badu, the new uh, you know sensational rookie there in Detroit. Uh, they got absolutely destroyed by double digits. But yeah, this was uh, this was a chance. Maybe Kansas City is better than we thought they were going to be. They did add a lot to this offense. They added Benatendi. They added Santana. So we got an off day to collect ourselves today. And then we got to get at it tomorrow. We got to split this thing with the Royals because this could get out of control really quickly. And the Indians are not known as a team that starts very hot, but this could get out of control really quickly. And I think that's what all Indians fans are afraid of right now. Like, we're all worried about it right now. We, when you trade superstars and you trade, you know, anchors of your pitching rotation in the offseason and you let guys walk in free agency. Um, yeah, you, you have a very nervous fan base. You have a very worried fan base. You have an angry, you have a pissed off fan base, uh, to be frankly, you know, to be frank with the Cleveland Indians and the way to win fans back is to win baseball games is to go out there and win some baseball games and play good baseball. And we're just not seeing it right now. So, um, it's not the player's fault, right? The players are out there giving it their all. Like I said, they've been hitting the ball hard, uh, in every game. So, not the Indians' fault, but the front office specifically has to be worried with the start of this season because fan sentiment is already kind of against them right now. All right, speaking of that, speaking of the front office, let's get into some news here. And they, uh, the Indians have Paul Dolan has spoken, and whenever Paul Dolan speaks, it's awful. And Paul Dolan has basically said that Yes, we are still working on the name change. We, we maybe even have a list of names that we're considering. We're doing all the things the front office should do, talking to people, talking to fans. I don't know. They haven't asked me yet. Um, looking at all the legal ramifications, uh, I guess apparently there were some names that they were considering that they don't think it will be legally possible to acquire that name. But basically, he got on the radio yesterday morning and gave a bunch of excuses as to why they might not get the name change done until the 2023 season. I'm saying that is ridiculous. That is, if you were committed to this, if you were absolutely committed to this, you have the time to get it done. We don't care if the marketing materials aren't ready. We don't care if the hot dog wrappers don't have the new team name or the souvenir cups aren't ready. It's time to change the name. The whole city is, all right, half the city is okay with it. Half the city is pissed about it. But we're all mentally prepared for it to happen at this point. So make it happen, Dolans. Like, it's absolutely ridiculous that you would scuffle your feet for two seasons to change the name, three seasons to change the name. You have to be committed to getting this done. There is absolutely enough time. Are you telling me you can't spend the rest of this summer crowdsourcing what that name should be, figuring out what that name should be, and then taking the entire winter to get your marketing materials ready and your new uniforms ready and stuff like that? There's fans online that have already done it. There are already Spider Designs, Cleveland Spiders Designs, baseball uniforms and logos out there. These graphic artists don't need that long to work. I'm sorry, they don't. Just change the name. Just do it already. 
So I don't, I don't want to call this an Indians fan podcast anymore because I don't feel the name Indians is appropriate anymore in 2021. We are more aware of how these things impact groups of people. We are more aware now. So change the name. We understand the mistakes we've made in the past. It's time to change the name. So that's what's going on. Dolan's also said that uh, they're looking for another minority owner still. They're looking for someone to buy John Sherman's shares, and they might even give more than 30%. Maybe someone wants to come in and buy 40 45%. They still plan on being majority owners, but if someone wants to buy a bigger chunk than Sherman did, they are open to that. So I don't know. Maybe we can all pool our money together like the Green Bay Packers fans, and we could buy that 45%, right? Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice if the fans had that kind of influence on their own team? Doesn't it feel like we're just at the whim of these owners sometimes? All right, so that's what's going on. Also going on in Major League Baseball, there were other games going on. And uh, there are some things going on in Major League Baseball right now, like the New York Mets, who played their first game yesterday. And I was I was sitting watching TV late at night. I was like, you know what? I'm going to check the scores, see what's going on in baseball right now. I'm going to go check in on the Mets. They were up to nothing, but the Phillies had runners in scoring position. It was late in the game. For some reason, the MLB app is letting me watch any game I want right now. I don't know if it's an opening week thing, and that's going to get cut off soon. But I was able to turn on the game, and the Mets just unraveled. They just fell apart. There were throwing errors. There was wild pitches. It was insane. And the Phillies ended up rallying and uh, spoiling Francisco Lindor's first game as a New York Met. They end up beating the Mets 5-3. to three. And uh, in the game, Lindor did have a hit and a walk. Uh, he went one for four in the game uh, with a single. So, uh, yeah, uh, not the way the Mets probably thought they were going to open the season uh, with this new look, this new feel New York Mets. So uh, that was... Uh, that was kind of fun to see. I, I don't know why. I wasn't exactly rooting against Lindor, but I was curious enough to flip on the game and, uh, and check that out. Other things going on in, uh, in baseball. Uh, did you see what's going on with the Cincinnati Reds and uh, Castellanos? Um, there, was a big, uh, there was a big scuffle, you could say, in the Reds-Cardinal series. And... Uh, Cassianos, I guess, uh, did a bat flip after a home run, and then they plunk him high and tight. I mean, they throw a fastball at his shoulder high and tight and plunk him. He eventually comes around to score on a wild pitch, and the pitcher is covering home plate. So when Cassianos slides into home and scores, he stands up over the pitcher and gives him a WWF-style flex and scream right in his face. And uh, that did not go over well, uh, you could imagine, with the St. Louis Cardinals. And uh, Yadier Molina gets in his face, and uh, the whole bench is clear. The irony is Cassianos wasn't even in the fight. Uh, A teammate walks him away, and he's standing with an umpire 20 feet from the fight, just smiling, just laughing at the situation uh, that this bench is cleared. It wasn't a brawl. Bench is just cleared. There was no fighting actually happening. And he's standing 20 feet away just laughing at the situation because he flexed over the pitcher. And MLB decides to suspend him for two games for instigating, instigating the fight. For He's the one that started it. Uh, he's the match that lit, lit the powder keg, which is absolutely ridiculous. Like, 
the guy was just excited that, uh, you know, they did something stupid like beating him, and then he comes around to score. You know, it's it's a game. They're going back and forth here with the showmanship, with the bat flip, and then I can hit you with a pitch, and then I come around to score. There's no reason for him to be suspended for two games. He wasn't even in on a fight. He didn't fight. He even said after the game, like something like, "I'm not gonna fight Yadier Molina." Like, come on. So yeah, that is some ridiculous MLB news happening right now. That's sort of the some of the other stories going on around Major League Baseball. And uh, yeah, so it's an off day. Go enjoy it. It's going to be like a 70-degree day. Uh, it's going to be like 70 and 80s this week. So go enjoy it on these off days. Go for a hike. Go for a run. Go play outside with your kids. Uh, I told my wife, I was like, we are going to pay for this. We are absolutely going to pay for this. It's going to like snow on June 1st or something like that. And she was like, what a pessimist you are about the weather. I'm like, I'm a Clevelander. Of course I'm pessimistic about the weather. We're all pessimistic about the weather. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, so go enjoy uh, your off days. Go do something fun. It is time for us to name our MVP for the day. And oh God, I mean... There is not a lot to choose from here. I was texting my brother about this, and he was like, that was a pretty good national anthem. Maybe the, maybe the singer MVP for the day. He's like, that grass looked pretty good for opening day. Maybe the grounds crew. I was like, nah, I got to go with the player. I got to go with Logan Allen for MVP for the day. I know it started off a little rough. His final line is five innings pitched, five hits, two earned runs, two walks, three strikeouts, and that home run allowed to Merrifield on only 72 pitches, but like I said, after those first two innings, he really, really settled into the groove. And they they retired, between him and Roberto Perez, they retired the next nine hitters in a row. So, for a really good start, for a new look, slimmed down Logan Allen, right? He's, he's putting away the, although he did say, if he wins, if he pitches good, he will reward himself with a donut. But he's cut back on the donuts, and he's pitching really, really good right now. So, Logan Allen... Your first start, uh, your first home opener for the Cleveland Indians, you get MVP for the day. All right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final from Cleveland, it's the Kansas City Royals 3, the Cleveland Indians nothing. We'll be back uh, off day tomorrow. They'll play again on Wednesday, which means we'll be back Thursday morning to talk about that game. And I believe we're going back to the opening day starters. Uh, the Royals have not. They did. They, originally, the Royals had said Keller was going to pitch. They pulled pulled that back, apparently. They changed their mind. It's now TBD. For the Indians, it will be Shane Bieber back on the mound in Cleveland pitching against the Kansas City Royals. It's a 1 o'clock game, another day game. Uh, so who knows? Maybe I'll be able to get the podcast up extra, you know, early that day. Maybe I'll be, re- be able to record Wednesday night and get the podcast up early. But that's all my thoughts. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Take the off day. Send me an email. Collect your thoughts. You got some time at work. Shoot an email. Let me know what you're feeling about the start of the season. I'm guessing it's not going to be happy. Uh, We'll talk about it on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor. So if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back in the air, respond to your thoughts, and have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.